It's March 1st, 2021, and our first story, Donald Trump has hinted at a potential 2024 presidential run in his speech at CPAC, even referring to Melania Trump as the future first lady. But is the context correct? Well, CNN certainly seems to think so, saying that Trump has unleashed a new threat to American democracy. They just couldn't resist. In our next story over in Canada, a reporter has been detained in a mandatory government quarantine facility, a hotel. Is it really as bad as they're saying? It seems like it's kind of bad, but it could get worse. Over in Australia, there's actually a proposal to use mining camps as COVID quarantines, and this has sparked outrage. And in our last story, the Sacramento School District has announced a plan for racial affinity groups, which they say will trigger white racial awakening in children so that they can come together around their shared history. They say it's for anti-racism. And I guess that makes sense when you realize anti-racism does not actually mean not being racist. It actually means discriminating. This critical race theory push may actually make kids into white supremacists. Well, let's get into the first story. At a certain point in all the chaos, fear-mongering, insanity, violence, death, and destruction— I can only just laugh at the absurdity that is our reality, because for a long time, people joked that we entered some strange parallel timeline with President Trump and everything just is ridiculous. Okay, let me slow down. The other day, Donald Trump delivered a speech at CPAC, and in his speech, he alluded to the fact that he may be running again in 2024. He wants to get rid of a ton of Republicans who turn their back on him. And people were jumping up and like hugging and high fiving. Probably the funniest moment of the night when Trump said, who knows, I may have to defeat him a third time. And he said a third time because Trump is asserting he did win this time. When he said that in the live stream, you can see a bunch of people like jumping, they're hugging, they're high fiving, they're yelling and celebrating. These people love Donald Trump. I want to talk to you about what Donald Trump said, because he said a lot of things, and he may actually run. In one article, they said he called Melania the future first lady. Now, does that mean that Trump is going to run and he expects to win and he will be back in the White House? So they say, and so goes CNN with quite possibly the funniest headline I have ever seen. Trump unleashes new threat to American democracy. This is so insane and over the top. I did not believe it was real. I saw people tweeting this. I started busting out laughing at the top of my lungs. I didn't believe it. And then I was like, no way. I Googled it. There it is from CNN. Analysis by Stephen Collison, CNN. Trump unleashes new threat to American democracy. Jeez, these people, they're so desperate. You know why? CNN's ratings tanked 40%. When Joe Biden was inaugurated and regular people are just so over this and I can feel it deep within my soul. I'm sorry. I don't know how many tweets I can take, how many more tweets I can take from Charlie Kirk and Benny Johnson when they're pointing out liberal hypocrisy. I'm like, man, we've been here for four years. I know. I know. And I felt the same way. I've talked about this many, many times where I'm just like, how many times am I going to do a video on like college cancels professor for woke nonsense? Here we go again. 
Same thing. Are we trapped on repeat? Like it was exciting the first time it happened, I guess. And we were like, whoa, whoa, that's got to stop. And now here we go again. But I'll tell you this. It, it is an escalation. It is seemingly getting worse. Like I mentioned, CNN's ratings tanked. So here we go. CNN writes one of the most bombastic headlines ever. And they're acting as though what Trump is doing is different from what he did in December or, or January or, or November, for that matter. Their ratings took a hit. They see an opportunity. We knew this was going to happen. Trump would if, if, if Trump went on stage and was like, just waved and said, thank you, America. Have a nice day. And that was it. They'd be like, he's back. Oh, the world's ending. Here's what they write. Donald Trump has no remorse about the deadly violence he incited with his lies about a stolen election and his uprising against the U.S. Congress. Jeez, the deadly violence he incited. OK, let's 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 hold on a second. I mean, it, it, everybody, every reasonable adult thinks that the whole uh, storming of the Capitol thing was dumb. It was crazy to me to see that after the Capitol got stormed, there were a lot of conservative personalities like, what do you mean? And they're, they're like praising it. And I'm like, Wait, why would you praise that? First of all, people died. Second of all, nothing got accomplished but hurting Donald Trump. I, I digress. The people who died, there was someone who had a heart attack. I think there was a stroke and someone got trampled and a woman got shot. So it, it was deadly violence for sure. But I think it's the deadly violence mostly has to do with the woman, Ashley Babbitt. And I think CNN needs to chill out. This much, here's what they write. This much was clear when the ex-president put the Republican Party on notice on Sunday that he intends to use his hold on the on its grassroots to try to suppress the vote heading into the presidential election in 2024. Wait, what? In which he hinted he might run. In his first public remarks since leaving the White House, he also dangerously lashed out at Supreme Court justices for failing to intervene to throw in the election he clearly lost to President Joe Biden. Quote, they should be ashamed of themselves for what they've done to our country. The Supreme Court didn't have the guts or the courage to do anything about it. Trump fumed in an authoritarian <laughs> sorry, in an authoritarian speech at the Conservative Political Action Committee in Orlando, Florida, referring to false fraud claims thrown up by multiple judges. You're going to include the part where Trump went into a rant about standing, meaning the lawsuits were thrown out because the people suing the courts claimed weren't the injured parties, essentially. But I digress. I don't care about rehashing all of that. We're talking about the future, baby. We're talking about Donald Trump possibly running in 2024, not 2020. That's long since passed. Trump even said Joe Biden will be president for another four years and then he's going to lose. And then all the Republicans cheered and all the conservatives. I don't want to say Republicans, but they all cheered and clapped. Now, Trump also said no new political party. There's not going to be a patriot party. We've got the Republican Party and it will be unified. And then he went into a rant about getting rid. Well, I shouldn't say rant, but then he went into it about the rhinos, the Republicans in name only. Now, it's Donald Trump. I love this. You know, what the thing is about CNN saying this authoritarian speech. If they, they, they want Trump to be portrayed as like this militaristic leader, this fascistic far right military man, Trump is an absurd businessman, reality TV, real estate guy. OK, now he's done pretty good things. I voted for him. I would have preferred, preferred him over Joe Biden for a lot of reasons. But it's interesting because a lot of people point out, Tim, you're supposed to be you're not really left wing if you'd vote for Trump. I'm like, dude, what makes you think voting for Joe Biden will get you left wing anything? Nothing. There's one of the best meme. I, I, I gotta say number gold award, whatever gold medal for the best meme ever. I tweet. I posted it on Instagram. 
It's the, you know, the meme where the guy, there's like two buttons and the guy's sweating because he doesn't know which one to pick. It says vaporizing Syrians, $2,000 checks. And then it's Dr. Robotnik from the Sonic movie gleefully pressing the red button with Joe Biden over his name. It's perfect. It's a meta meme because we know the meme is supposed to be the guy's confused about which one he should do, but not Joe Biden. He knows he doesn't want to give you that money. He wants to drop the bombs instead. So there you go. Look, Donald Trump is no saint when it comes to war in the Middle East, but I still think there are a lot of things better about him. But, But more importantly, CNN could make Trump out to be a clown. You know, they, they, they've done that, I guess. But they're so obsessed with making him out to be this fascistic dictator set on taking over the world because they want the ratings. They want you scared. They want the regular people who watch CNN to go, oh, Trump's not leaving. He's coming back. Yeah, it's going to get worse. Look at this ridiculous and insane headline. Trump unleashes new threat. All right. Well, here's what really happened. <clears throat> Trump teases 2024 run at CPAC. Former president calls Melania the future first lady and says, I'll beat Dems for a third time. I'm, I'm just going to come on and say it. Ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump did not beat the Democrats for a second time. Now, I know I can already hear people screaming that's not true and they believe in Trump and they think he really won and March 4th is coming. No, 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 no. no I'm sorry. Listen, I don't care if you think that there was an election. The election was rigged or it wasn't rigged. The point is Joe Biden is in the White House. Whatever you think the game was be it some nefarious plot or a standard election, Donald Trump is not the president. So he can say he won a second time and he wants to win a third time. Fine, by all means, he can. I think it's mostly about boosting morale and maintaining his status as the kingmaker or the king himself. A lot of people love it. They, they, Trump knows how to play to the crowd. But uh, I'll say it again. The Democrats beat Trump. I guess Trump doesn't want to come out and say it. And it's probably because he's going to run again. This this is what I think. I think the main reason Trump won't come out and say I lost is because he wants to maintain that fighting spirit. The reason he's saying he did win is because he wants to tell everybody, don't worry, we won. We're going to win officially next time. And I think he's saying that to boost morale. Now, about that future first lady remark, a lot of people are saying that's evidence he is going to run. Perhaps. I don't think so. Let me read a little bit. Because I don't, I don't know if they get to the point, because I, I want to make sure they have the quote. He says, do you miss me yet? Blah, blah, blah. There was a point where he mentioned, well, he's, I'll just read some. He says, we're not starting new parties. We have the Republican Party, he said. Wouldn't it be brilliant? Let's start a new party, divide our vote so we can never win. No, we're not interested in that. Well, I'll tell you this. I still think it's a good idea because Trump might lose a ton of Republican voters no matter what. However, I do, I do suppose that if Donald Trump runs in 2024, the Republican Party will keep all of those votes. I absolutely, I absolutely think so. Trump's remarks came after rumors that he was considering creating his own political party, which is not true. And, you know, something new to our ears, cancel culture. He joked, blah, blah, blah. All right, let me, let me just get to the future first lady part. He wasn't saying that she would be the future first lady. He was talking specifically about when he came down the escalator because he had made a point about when Mexico sends their people, they're not sending their best. He said it Again, he basically said the same thing. Now, he said they, they went after me for this when I came down that escalator with the future first lady. And everyone thought he was saying future first lady to imply future from here. No, I think he was saying in the past, I was on the escalator with the woman who would become the first lady. I don't think it means he's definitively running again. I think Donald Trump is going to be, what, 81 years old in 2024. That would be absolutely insane if he were to run. I mean, think about it. He ended up being like 85 by the time uh, he, he left his second term. So that would be absolutely uh, 
unprecedented. I don't think he's going to run. I, I don't think so. But I, I will say I'm not 100%. I'm not even 52%. I'm like 50.1% leaning towards I don't think he'll run. I know I'm sitting there right, right, sitting right on the fence. But the reason is only only one reason, his age. We don't know where he will be at that, you know, when he's 81. He is a large and obese man. But maybe, I mean, let's be honest, Donald Trump is spry. No joke. For his age, he actually looks really good. There's only like one other person I've ever seen. I'm like, how are they so old? And like, fine. it's William Shatner. Like, how old is that guy? He's like almost 90 or something. And he, he looks like he's in his 60s. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, Trump roasted the Supreme Court in his speech. He said they should be ashamed for not having the guts to overturn the election and hammers Biden big tech internal GOP enemies and cancel culture and trails a triumphant return to the White House. Let's talk about them rhinos. Get rid of them all. Trump urges GOP to purge 17 members who voted to impeach him, including Mitt Romney and Liz Cheney. And you know, I love the most. He like mocked Liz Cheney as a warmonger. Listen, Donald Trump upped the drone strikes and changed the reporting on drone strikes. And I have to wonder about this. Trump was trying to get our troops out of the Middle East, and they kept blocking him at every step. He was trying, he, 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 he apparently ordered the Pentagon to do it, and they refused. He, he ordered, the, uh, I, I, I can't remember who he ordered, but he ordered the removal of, of American troops from Syria, and they admitted they lied to Trump and the American people in order to keep a substantial presence of U.S. troops in Syria. What just happened a couple days ago? Joe Biden bombed Syria. While there's been numerous reports about troop movements in the in, in Syria, specifically Western sources, of course, denying the troop movement, saying it's routine. And then Joe Biden dropped some bombs. Listen, I wonder if the reason Donald Trump upped the drone strikes was to maintain pressure in these regions while getting us out. So kind of like, you know, when you're like tying a knot and then you do the first, you know, you, you want to tie a bow, you have someone hold down the, the, the lace so that it doesn't come loose. Was I wonder if Donald Trump was using drones as a way to maintain pressure so he could get the troops out and then maybe a leave and then and then we're done. Regardless, it doesn't matter what I think because I honestly don't know. I can only tell you this. Donald Trump upped drone strikes. It's a bad thing. I, I'm not a fan of it. But uh, I also like to point out, man, if if we knew everything that was going on over there, we all might have different opinions. So it's really hard to definitively know what we should or shouldn't do when none of us are really experts. And I'll, and I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm like, come on. You guys know I'm like very, very anti-war. Would love for the U.S. to focus on itself, spend this money, its own infrastructure, and just get to work in America instead of building roads and schools in foreign countries. But I think about it this way. For every liberal that has screamed about gun control, Without ever having actually used a gun or taken a, tr a safety training course, I worry about every single anti-war individual who's never even done a, a smidgen of research on the Middle East, nor talked to the troops who were there. So I've certainly listened to many individuals who have said we should be over there. I just humbly disagreed. And it comes down to people like, you know, Dan Crenshaw and Tulsi Gabbard. When Tulsi says we shouldn't and Dan says we should, I'm like, I am biased in favor of ending this stuff because I think we're wasting too much money over there and not here, which is one of the big messages Trump was bringing. Not necessarily, I don't know for sure if he was going to accomplish that, but hey, the Abraham Accords were wonderful. And now people are scared that Joe Biden is going to upend all of this peace. We have four historic peace agreements. 
When Tulsi Gabbard says we don't need to be doing this, we don't need to be there. I'm biased in her favor. And that's why I supported her. I don't think we need to be there. I think there are things we can do. And I've certainly talked with Republicans and conservatives who say they don't think she's completely correct, but they do think we can draw down a substantial amount of our forces and still maintain some kind of pressure to prevent a power vacuum. Maybe, maybe not. Well, anyway, I digress. Donald Trump wants to get rid of these. Uh, uh, well, the Liz Cheney thing set me off, right? Because she is the warmonger. Donald Trump used his CPAC speech to demand a purge of his political rivals. Rivals? No, 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 no. Mitt Romney is not a rival to Donald Trump. Mitt Romney is not even a thorn in Trump's butt. Mitt Romney is a mosquito buzzing around and getting in Trump's way a little bit. That's about it because they're not successful. The former president addressed the conservative gathering in Orlando on Sunday afternoon in his first speech. We know this. He also sought revenge on the 17 Republicans, seven senators and 10 members of the House who voted to impeach him. All 17 were mentioned by Trump, with a 74 year old reserving particular venom for Liz Cheney, who said earlier, wow, did I get Trump's age that wrong? So Trump would be he would be 77 as he's campaigning. I was way off on that. I thought Trump was older. OK, my, my bad. Trump would not be 81. Trump would be. I, I already know that all you guys commented like, Tim, you're wrong. Trump's younger. Oh, you, what? Yeah. you just had to wait a few minutes. And the correction is right there. I'm, I'm, I think I confused Biden with uh, with Trump. <laughs> Joe Biden's going to be 81. He's not going to be running against Trump. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Anyway, they say uh, with a 74 year old reserving particular venom for Liz Cheney, quote, Instead of attacking me and more importantly, the voters of our movement, top establishment Republicans in Washington should be spending their energy in opposing Biden, Pelosi, Schumer and the Democrats, Trump said. If Republicans do not stick together, the rhinos, Republicans in name only, that we're surrounded, that we're surrounded with will destroy the Republican Party. And the warmonger, the person who loves seeing our troops fighting, Liz Cheney. Oh, bravo, Trump. <laughs> I love it. You know, what's really funny is that uh, many people brought up where, where are the Democrat defectors? When Nancy Pelosi was trying to get the speakership, even AOC voted for her. Where are the defectors? Nah, sorry, the Republicans are split. That's just that's just true. Even though the Democrats do have their fight and they are split, AOC will still, you know, bend the knee for Nancy Pelosi and beg her. Beg. That's what I love about it. You see, Jimmy Dore, who is a left leftist, you know, podcaster and, and commentator, had no trouble calling out the Democrat establishment and saying, if Nancy Pelosi does not bring a floor vote for Medicare for all, don't vote for her. He was correct. I completely agree. Because what he was saying was, listen, they'll still vote for her. But listen, you have to stand strong. They'll still vote for her. McCarthy's not going to win. You just need to use the power you have as leverage. And they wouldn't do it. AOC is just like, I'm just going to give Nancy Pelosi. And she walked up to Nancy and said, please, Nancy, just tell me what to do because I'm so scared of you. They all fall in line. At least, at least I can say this. Mitt Romney as awful as he may be, has more of a spine than AOC. And wow, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? AOC will say all these progressive things. But then the moment Nancy Pelosi steps up, AOC says, yes, ma'am, I'll do whatever you say. Yeah, real bold. Trump said the good news was that she had been censured in her state of Wyoming and her approval rating was falling. Her poll numbers have dropped faster than any human being I've ever seen. Hopefully they'll get rid of her with the next election, get rid of them all. I got to tell you, I would love to see a future where we withdraw our troops from the, from the Middle East. We still have military bases in certain areas. We still have, you know, aircraft carriers and just I'm worried about a power vacuum. Don't get me wrong, but I'd love to see a future in which all of these resources 
are being brought to, say, you know, areas like Flint. Now, my understanding is Flint did get its water fixed. That was that happened, I think, in December or, or, or around then. A lot of people have been messaging me that. But I just think about the crumbling infrastructure, the collapsing bridges, the broken roads, the potholes. And I'm like, imagine if we put that money into our own country. So what is this? You know, I'll keep it simple. I don't think the people who run the country, run the United States, actually care all that much about it. Ah, surprise, surprise, shocker, right? No, I think they extract resources from our labor to fund global projects for to, to maintain this empire, as it were. I mean, think about it. We had this great conversation with Ethan Suplee on the show. You may know him. He's an actor on, on, the, on the Timcast IRL podcast. And he mentioned it's the petrodollar. That is it. America, you must buy oil in U.S. dollars so Americans can crank out as much debt as they want so long as we have guns all over the place and force people to buy oil with our money. We will always be wealthy. And that's that's sad reality. But I think about that. and I think about what it's doing to this country. Young people who are lazy and entitled. It's disgusting. And it's not even just young people. I mean, boomers, of course, it's people in general, lazy, entitled. They don't want to get up. They don't want to do work. They just want you should give to me. OK, I think everybody should do a little bit of hard work. I like the idea of universal health care. My, my, my challenge is always the authoritarianism of any system that would impose its will on other people and force them to pay for something. But I like the idea of universal health care. However, the problem is people who are unhealthy dragging the system down, and then you have someone who's very healthy and responsible paying the bills for someone who isn't. That's a challenge. Some people have said maybe the answer is then a calisthenics program where, you know, they you have to pass a physical in order to get access to the health care, or you have to pay a premium that other people don't. And if you're healthy, you pay way less or something like that. Maybe that might actually work because then all the unhealthy people who, you know, are sickly and want the health care will be paying more into the system. That might actually be a solution. But that might also be a bit authoritarian. Yeah, so that's the problem. How do you balance these things? Honestly, I don't know. Now, whether or not Donald Trump will actually run again is uh, yet to be seen. I did get his age wrong. I understand that. Trump accuses Biden of being in the pocket of Beijing due to his very close personal relationship with China. Young girls and women are incensed. Trump slams Biden Biden bid, he says, would allow transgender females to compete in women's sport. I, I believe this is an incorrect headline. It's transgender women is the correct term. I, I could be wrong. I'm just trying to make sure I get it right, because uh, uh, depending on who you ask, I'll give you a difference between males and females. Uh, you know, this is something that will come up. And a lot of conservatives have said the one thing that Republicans failed to do was address the issue of the Equality Act and gender identity, because that would probably ignite a bunch of suburban votes. Maybe, maybe. I honestly don't know. My only my only issue with with all of this is how do we actually guarantee the individual liberties of the trans community while, I guess, simmering down tensions and protecting the rights of biological females? The argument I've heard from the left tends to be that it doesn't matter if biological females are inconvenienced by this. And I'm like, dude, you can't sacrifice one protected group for another protected group. We have to figure this one out. So this may be a a big issue for the Republicans, and it may be why Trump is bringing it up. And it may be that uh, these rhino Republicans get get, uh, kicked out. But I will tell you this. I'll wrap it all up. I'll wrap it up in a neat bow. There's one thing that's for sure. CNN will not pass up any opportunity to fearmonger and scream at the top of their lungs about stupid nonsense. Trump unleashes new threat to American democracy. Oh, here we go again. Trump's not going away. He's going to keep talking. He's going to keep speaking. He's going to be a kingmaker. He's going to get these rhinos booted out of the party. He's taken over. That's it. And they acknowledge it. But come on, 
Calm down, dudes. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Just short of two months ago, Assembly Bill A416 was making the rounds on social media, and many people were scared by what this bill does. They say it relates to the removal of cases, contacts, and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to public health. The bill in New York would basically give the governor the power to remove anybody at his own discretion, just if they think you may have come into contact with someone who might have been sick. It's actually kind of freaky. But many suspect the bill will not actually go anywhere. And right now it's just sitting in committee. But still, it is weighing deep on everyone's minds what might happen with potential quarantine camps. Right now, a reporter for the conservative Rebel News up in Canada is documenting his experience in what he refers to as COVID jail. If you are traveling to Canada and you have a valid reason, because it's actually not quite, it's not that easy to get into Canada right now. They tell you, you must book a three night stay at a hotel where you will be quarantined and you got to pay for it. It's about $2,000. In this journalist's uh, Twitter feed, we can see it's actually pretty awful conditions. And apparently some people have tried to escape by like running out the fire exit. It doesn't sound like the end of the world, but we have to make sure we're not allowing ourselves to incrementally get pushed towards draconian law. While it may seem silly that being put in a hotel is the end of the world or COVID jail, as people are calling it, we are hearing some really nightmarish things up in Canada and in Australia. Another story that's going viral is that apparently parents were advised to put their children in solitary confinement if their school had a COVID case or their class did, and they actually did it. These tweets are horrifying what these parents are doing. Now, over in Australia, there's actually talk of using old mining camps and rural areas as quarantine camps for people who have COVID. If you've been following the COVID lockdown news, you know that parts of Australia are particularly authoritarian, and it's all getting absolutely strange. You know, there's a real argument for trying to stop a global pandemic, but I'm not entirely convinced that the science backs up what's going on. I mean, the lockdowns in general, a lot of people are saying schools should reopen. The science shows children aren't likely to be harmed by COVID. Yet for some reason, we have the teachers union saying no. We have these 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 prominent figures who run these schools pretending like, oh, we can't open schools, but then getting caught sending their own children to private schools. We have people like Governor Newsom in California making all these claims, but then being caught out violating their own COVID rules. Now, with this guy over in Canada, this guy, Kian Bext, this journalist documenting what's going on, this is following reports that a woman was forcibly detained because apparently her COVID test was not correct. She, she didn't know where she was going. She was told she couldn't tell anybody. She couldn't post on social media. Yeah, I'm sorry. This sounds like internment. We recently heard the prime minister say, oh, no, 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 no. It's all disinformation. There's no internment camps. Sure. OK, maybe no camps. Maybe Australia will do that. It's highly unlikely New York would, but they might. I doubt it. But what does it mean to intern someone? A lot of people are rolling their eyes saying, oh, they're just telling you to spend a few nights at a hotel. Yeah, but when they're not giving you food or at least adequate food, you're not allowed to leave. And in one instance, a woman was she had no idea where she was and she was barred from telling anybody. I mean, now you're getting dangerously close. But I have to remind you before we jump into all this. It's never going to be a finger snap overnight moment when the authoritarians take over and lock you up in a camp or something. 
It's always gradual. Do not let them take an inch because they will they will go for the whole mile. Let's read this story and see what's going on. But before we do, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access access to exclusive members only posts. We have a whole bunch of segments, full podcast episodes with people like James O'Keefe and Sidney Watson. We have a post recently about the giant golden Trump. It was a troll, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't legit. But we set this up in the event that we get purged. My channels get taken down. You can always find us over at TimCast.com. Let's read the story from Rebel News to see what's going on with this journalist who is experiencing what they call COVID jail. Over at Rebel News, they say, update, Kian Bext is in COVID jail. They say, remember when Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster said that mandatory quarantine facilities were misinformation? Well, they're real and they're awful. Rebel News has been covering the establishment of these quarantine facilities for month, months. Now they're forcing innocent, healthy travelers to quarantine in these government facilities at an, at an enormous expense, up to $2,000 for a three-night detention. To make matters even worse, there have been alleged assaults and some of the, at some of the government-approved quarantine facilities. What on earth is going on? This past weekend, Keen was on the ground in Florida reporting on that state's freedom-oriented approach to the pandemic. Now that he's coming back to Canada, he's just the latest Canadian citizen being forced into these Trudeau COVID jails. So rather than just complain about it, we're going to document these COVID jails from the outside. Now, in a tweet from Kian Bext, he says, there are a lot of reasons that these COVID jails are wrong. It's a violation of several personal liberties. It is outrageously expensive. It's less safe than me just going straight home too. But the food, this is exceptionally bad, ice cold and stale. Now, this is the one that got to me. A lot of people are going to dismiss this saying, oh, it's a hotel. They're sending you to the Hyatt or the Sheraton. It's not the worst thing in the world. They're forcing you to go to these hotels. What if you can't afford $2,000? Does your company have to pay this? Kian Bext was covering news in Florida as per his job as an essential worker. News media are essential. I know many on the left or in the establishment might say, oh, but they're conservative news. They're not real. I don't care. You cannot like their bias, but they're certainly entitled to the freedom of the press. Now he's in a hotel he's forced to be in at his own expense. And this is what they provide him. It looks like two waffles. And I have no idea what that thing is on the right. Looks like some kind of phyllo dough bread. I have no idea. In a video. He explains, he shows what happens when he tries calling the front desk because they're not giving him food. Nobody answers. And this is what he is told to eat. Now, for a lot of people, I mean, you might have a gluten sensitivity. You can't eat this. And if you can't get a hold of anybody, what are you supposed to do? In another tweet, he shows they gave him old Dutch salt and vinegar chips, it looks like, a a pack of Kit Kat, a, a Kit Kat pack, and a bottle of water. I mean, if he's supposed to be there for three days, you gotta give the person food. Again, worst thing in the world? No. I mean, he's still posting on social media, so clearly he's not under the same scrutiny as this other woman was. Still pretty bad. And the fear is incrementation. If people accept this, then will they accept things getting gradually worse, potentially in Australia? But we'll get to that. In another tweet, he, uh, Kian says, two men, one in a cowboy hat, just left the quarantine floor out the fire escape. I wonder if they were starving too. One person responds, starving? It's only been a few days, so let's calm down. I absolutely think it's fair to criticize Rebel and Kian to say, I get it. I get it. Look, I don't like what's going on. I think it's it's horrifying. But let's make sure we're, you know, keeping cool heads about this. 
Because if you come out and start screaming that being in a hotel where people can actually just walk out is like being in an internment camp, they're probably not going to listen to you. But I do want to make an important point. I saw this tweet where he says two men, two men just left. And my first thought was, is it really a, in, is it really interning someone in a, in, a, in a camp if they can just walk out the door and leave? Maybe not. But I'll tell you this. These two guys might actually get in serious trouble. They might get jail time. Who knows? It might go well beyond just, oh, well, they walked out. No, I highly doubt they just walked out and they're going to carry on with their business. When someone finds out that they actually broke quarantine, They'll probably be criminally charged in some capacity. Maybe it's a fine. I don't know. Or they may be forced into a legitimate hard quarantine for another two weeks or something like that. This is the original story that was going around October 20th. PM, health officials warn Canadians against believing COVID-19 internment camps disinformation. Disinformation falsely suggests Canadians will be forcibly sent to quarantine sites. Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. It's one thing if you want to believe in internment camps and have an argument about what internment actually means. We had a tweet from Kian who says, so this was an effing lie. When are you retracting, JB Tasker? And I see, I see this and I say, but hotels are not internment camps, right? Well, the subhead says, disinformation campaign falsely suggests Canadians will be forcibly sent to quarantine sites. Well, that's true. Many people are being sent forcibly to quarantine sites. Just because you want to call it an internment camp, I mean, maybe that makes it fake news. But the quarantine sites are real. The story from the CBC says Canadians will not be forced into COVID-19 internment or containment camps. A spokesperson for Health Minister Patty Haju said Tuesday, taking aim at a disinformation campaign that has been circulating on social media for weeks. The claim that the federal government is preparing to forcibly intern Canadians is patently false. The spokesperson said the federal government has announced funding for voluntary quarantine sites for some of the country's homeless and has made plans to expand self-isolation capacity for returning international travelers without suitable places to go. But Canadians will not be compelled to leave their homes for so-called COVID camps. Quote, the answer is no, we're not building containment or internment camps, the spokesperson told CBC News. Disinformation like this is intended to deceive Canadians and cause fear and confusion. We encourage Canadians to double check sources before sharing to avoid spreading disinformation. Now, let's let's slow down a minute. There may be a communication error here. It seems like, according to the CBC, the concern was that people in their homes would have like a truck pull up and they'd take the person out of their home and bring them to a camp. That's not what's happening. They do mention what is legitimate. Returning international travelers will be given a place to go if they have nowhere else. Well, Kean points out, he could just go home and quarantine at home. Why are they making him go to a hotel? More importantly, why are they making this woman? There's a story of a woman who said she felt helpless at the hotel where she didn't expect to end up and where she was told she wasn't allowed to disclose her location. They didn't tell you they were taking you. They didn't tell you where they were taking you, which is unacceptable, said the woman. They gave us a set of rules. Can't post on social media. Can't disclose location. Federal health officials told CTV they're aware of the incident, taking it very seriously. It was an alleged assault. The woman who lives in Laval said she was staying with her boyfriend in the U.S. when she heard that mandatory hotel quarantines were on the way. She took a COVID-19 test and flew home to Quebec on February 16th with a negative test. But when she arrived at the airport, she was told she'd taken the wrong kind of test and needed to go to a government-run quarantine anyway. So let's slow down there. Okay, 
if the CDC, if the CBC was basically saying, no, 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 we're not going to take you from your houses. International travelers, yes. Then why did they put this subhead that says Canadians will be forcibly sent to quarantine sites because we already have two stories now. And, and we know it's true. There's numerous stories of people being forcibly taken to quarantine sites. I love this quote. They said the government will not forcibly intern Canadians. Well, now you're arguing semantics. What does it mean to intern someone? According to Google, Oxford languages, it says intern verb confine someone as a prisoner, especially for political or military reasons. Well, I don't know if it's political or military, but I would suppose national security is considered militaristic regardless. Someone being forcibly taken to a place where they don't know where they're going and told they can't communicate with the outside world. Just call it a jail. Call it what is what it is. Uh, maybe maybe a comfortable jail. Hey, I'll tell you this. Hotels in Canada, probably worse than prisons in Sweden. We still call them prisons in Sweden. The issue is forcible detainment of these individuals. And it's happening. It is. The whole point of this, why I'm talking about it, is that I think we should just know it's happening. It's something we should focus on because we don't want it to get worse. Now, take a look at how bad it really gets if you want to go to Canada. Mandatory quarantine or isolation. As of February 21st, 2021, at 11.59 p.m., you must meet new testing and quarantine requirements when coming to Canada. Use the checklist to see if that applies to you. Check this out. They say, the government of Canada has put in place an emergency order on quarantine isolation and other obligations under the Quarantine Act. It applies to all travelers arriving in Canada. Its purpose is to slow the spread of COVID-19 and its variants. When you enter Canada, quarantine for 14 days if you do not have symptoms. Isolate for 14 days if you have symptoms of COVID-19 or if you know you have COVID-19. Comply with mandatory quarantine or isolation requirements. Failure to comply will result in fines, penalties, or imprisonment. So let's go back to that story where Kean said they went up the fire escape and they left. They must have been starving. I know a lot of people are going to dismiss his story outright, saying you can just leave. What are you talking? No, you can't just leave. They say if you don't comply, you could go to prison. You'll get penalties, probably get a fine. But if you don't abide by the quarantine, they tell you that they'll make you do it again. They say as a traveler, you must demonstrate that you have an adequate plan for quarantine. You're expected to make plans within your own means before traveling to Canada Foreign nationals who do not have an adequate plan may be denied entry into Canada. Those who arrive without a suitable place to quarantine will be transferred to a federal designated quarantine facility for the full 14 day quarantine period. I thought they said it wasn't going to happen. If coming to Canada as a final destination, all travelers must use Arrive CAN to submit their plan. Mandatory isolation. You must go directly to the place where you will isolate and stay there for 14 days. This is mandatory and starts from the day you arrive in Canada. During the 14 day period from the time you enter, you're required to answer any relevant questions asked by the government or Canada employee. And they say you must demonstrate you have an adequate plan, etc., etc. Now, there's a button you can click to find out if you are allowed to actually enter. Okay. When you click this, you need legitimate reasons. You can't just go for leisure or pleasure. You can't go to visit. And in fact, they say even if you have work and there's normal activities, like say you live in a border town, they could still deny you access. They could still quarantine you by force. Again, I'm not going to say it's the worst thing in the world, what's going on. Like we've seen way worse internment camps throughout history. I just think we should pay attention to it, especially when the media said it's not going to happen. And now it is. And one woman actually got assaulted. 
In this story from CTV News, they say it was a boondoggle. Chaotic scenes in hotel quarantines frustrate, tra- frustrate travelers. Story updated just today. No, we get it. It's chaotic. It's bad. It's really bad. But take a look at this story from Australia. Let's talk about how bad it could get. From the conversation, they say another hotel worker tests positive in Melbourne. It's time to move hotel quarantines out of cities. What does that mean? Move them out of cities. Where are you going to put people if not in urban hotels? I wonder. They say Victorians awoke to news this morning that another hotel quarantine staff member has tested positive for COVID, this time from the Holiday Inn at Melbourne Airport. It's the second case in a Victorian quarantine hotel in less than a week after a resident support worker from the Grand Hyatt in central Melbourne tested positive for the virus on Wednesday night. So this story is from February 7th, mind you. It again raises questions many have been asking for months. Why is hotel quarantine situated in big cities, often in the CBD itself? I believe it's well and truly time to move our quarantine to remote locations to reduce the risk of transmission into dense urban areas. Ah, so what you're saying is we should maybe set up a camp far away from cities in the middle of nowhere to send people who are sick? February 7th. Well, I tell you this, the Strait Times has this story. January 14th, Australia's Queensland state considers mining camps for coronavirus quarantine. Hey, there we go. Where is this all headed? Well, an updated story from February 10th says Australia considers plan to quarantine arrivals in isolated rural camps. Well, I certainly hope anybody doesn't need to travel to Australia because who knows where you'll end up. The Strait Times says Australia is considering controversial plans to set up isolated rural quarantine camps for people entering from overseas as the country tries to plug the final gap in its efforts to combat COVID-19. The proposal to relocate quarantine facilities away from hotels and dense city centers was first raised by the state of Queensland, which imposed a three-day lockdown in Brisbane after a cleaner at a quarantine hotel in the capital was infected with the contagious British strain of the virus. Following the lockdown, the state's premier, Anastasia Palachik, Palachik, probably pronouncing that wrong, proposed setting up quarantine accommodation at mining camps in regional centers such as Toowoomba and Gladstone. But the plan angered some locals in the towns who said they did not want to be forced to deal with an influx of potentially infectious visitors. So they were basically saying, we don't care about the quarantine camps, just don't bring them here because too many people for us. Mr. Robbie Catter, an outspoken Queensland state MP, said rural areas often have inferior health services, but accept this as a price of living away from big cities. He said any remote camps should only be set up if they were at least 50 to 100 kilometers from a major town. People often live in a remote area because they're protected from things like the virus, and they'll put up with not having a doctor or vital public services. Those people put up with a lot living in a remote area to have that barrier away from the negative influence of the cities. Other states, such as Western Australia, have also said remote facilities should be considered. The federal government was initially skeptical about the plan, saying city hotels were easily locked down and allowed international arrivals to be near medical services and testing facilities. Following the protests by local communities in Queensland, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said he believed it was unfair to dump the COVID-19 problem on remote areas, but in an open mind about remote facilities. The largest state, New South Wales, has flatly rejected the move saying it takes in more international arrivals than, than other states, and that remote quarantining was not lot logistically feasible. Australia is largely free of COVID-19, but has suffered repeated outbreaks from cases that have leaked out of quarantine facilities. 
On February 10th, Australia had 11 new cases, including two locally transmitted ones, which are part of a cluster linked to a Melbourne hotel. Australia has also barred all international arrivals except for Australian citizens and residents and their families. And travelers from New Zealand, about 38,000 Australians abroad, are still waiting to come home. But the list is growing. Many are in badly affected parts of the world. But the authorities have struggled to simultaneously bring back Australians quickly while preventing breaches at quarantine facilities. Now, I can imagine why some people don't want to come back. They're going to put you in a mining town in a rural camp. Well, travel's shut down. And I hear it all the time from the, you know, from the leftists or the establishment. But we're in a global pandemic. You're going to get people sick. It's like, listen, first of all, what is the mortality rate of COVID-19? You know, the survival rate for most people is like 99.95%. So let's chill out a little bit. I understand it's bad. Considering that it's novel, we do need herd immunity. And you need to realize that even if the mortality rate is really, really low, we should take it seriously. And we have been a bit over the top. Look, the difference between this and, say, the cold or the flu, for one, the mortality rate is a lot higher. I would say it's substantially higher in that it's around like you know, 75 to 100 percent worse. So it's like double. But the, the novelty of the virus, meaning it's new, a lot of people could get it. A lot of people could get, could, could, get, could get sick and die. But we also have the problem of food shortages, the economic impact, setting up camps. Is this really the route we want to go? I mean, I've been, I've been saying for the past year or so, it's time to open up, protect the vulnerable, and let the healthy, younger individuals get on with their lives so the economy can start functioning again. Seems like across the world, though, nobody wants to take the responsibility. They just want to make everything worse because the easier answer is to ratchet down. You know why? If you're a politician and you say, open her up, let's get back to work. The suffering has to stop. If people get sick, they'll say it was your fault. So what's easier? Lock it all down. So what? Hey, half the people just want to tribally support the government. So there you go. Lock it all down. And I take zero responsibility for being a leader in my country, city, state, whatever. We can see how bad it gets when they just keep pushing this. My stars and garters, my friends, this story is haunting from the Toronto Sun. Peel Health Child Isolation Policy, a mistake that's being fixed, says Brampton Mayor. I want to read you the story. But before I do, I want to show you what what happened and what people are saying. Anthony Fury tweeted, parents are being told by public health that when their kids are dismissed from school because a classmate has tested positive, they must quarantine the child alone in a separate room for 14 days, even small children, even those who are asymptomatic. I give you now the horrifying tweets. One Twitter user said, I have my seven year old in isolation downstairs. He, keep, he keeps messaging me on Facebook Messenger. Mommy, I'm lonely. My five-year-old wrote in his journal entry today that he is sad because his brother isn't here. I set up a baby monitor to let eight-year-old ask for things. Five-year-old using it to talk to eight-year-old. I don't believe it. I didn't believe it. I said, somebody's yanking our chain. Somebody made a fake account. No one in their right mind is going to put their child in solitary isolation. That's insane. Apparently, more than one person is tweeting about this. Another user says, and so the 14-day isolation begins. Nothing has broken my heart like the sound of my 10-year-old crying while I sit on the other side of the door and tell him 14 days will go quickly, hoping Peel Health calls so we can get some advice and some answers. Absolutely insane. One, one person on Twitter said, what happened? Are you okay? 
The same individual said, COVID case in my son's class. He has no symptoms. I have severe asthma and lung disease. Hubby is a teacher too. For him to work to keep me and Sib safe, he is holed up alone in, a, in the spare room. But he has the good bathroom, so there's that. Wow. This individual then tweeted, Wow, my initial panic about having a child who needed to isolate for 14 days after a possible exposure at school has really blown up. My fault. I panicked. He is not locked in a room. He is not being left alone. I took down the tweet because I cannot stand to read the comments. This person just did exactly what they said without question. Without question. Listen, talk to your doctors. Your doctor will tell you what's right for you. And that's what we've been saying for a year now because we're in a year of this. But think about how horrifying that is. To have some nebulous bureaucrat say, take your kids, lock them in a room for two weeks. And for you to go, okay, and just do it. Did you call your doctor and ask him? He probably would have told you there's something you can do better than this. Torturing your child. Solitary confinement is considered torture. Toronto Sun reports. The mayor of Brampton is speaking out against a controversial, controversial guidelines distributed to parents in Peel region that says children, even small ones, who have been dismissed from class and childcare because they came into contact with someone tested positive for COVID should be placed in quarantine in isolation. Public health must ensure the best interests of children and families are at the center of recommendations. Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown posted to social media. They must be based on science with evidence for all to see. I am relieved to hear from Dr. Lawrence low that this mistake is being fixed and this flyer is being removed from circulation. The Peel guidelines, which apply for 14 days, said if your child does not have any symptoms, the child must self-isolate, which means stay in a separate room, eat in a separate room apart from others, use a separate bathroom if possible. The handout also says if the child must leave their room, they should wear a mask and stay two meters apart from others. Any other children in the household not only must be both separated from their siblings, but also stay home for 14 days. I mean, this is just absolutely crazy that this is where we've come. It worries me that it seems like it seems like they're just pushing buttons. I'm not saying it's what they're doing. I'm saying it feels like it, like they're pushing us as far as they can to see when people will finally snap. And they're recording all of the data to see what people will do. It's like we're under one big experiment. These people just Going along with this insanity. I mean, this is what nightmares are made of. We joke about the nightmare dystopia. I tell you this, Canada and Australia, y'all are living it. Australia has got it particularly bad. Here in the US, we have a good thing called a constitution which protects us. It's not perfect. It's mostly Swiss cheese at this point, but at least it still exists in, its, in the capacity that it does. And we have the ability to fight back to a certain degree with the legal system. We can still protest and they can, you know, try and smear us in the media and lie about what's really going on. But y'all can still do it. Take a look at these Commonwealth countries, the ones that never broke from the crown. Boy, that was a mistake, wasn't it? Funny thing is, I could be wrong about my history because I am not a historian. But my understanding is that Quebec was actually asked to join the original 13 colonies, the 14th colony. And they were like, nah, we're good. We don't want it. So it became the 13 colonies rebelling against the crown. And now here we are. We got it bad here in the U.S., don't get me wrong, but it's bad over in the U.K., it's bad in Canada, it is bad in New Zealand, it is bad in, in Australia. These places have it just absolutely awful. And think about these law enforcement officers in these countries who just don't care. 
New Zealand enters a seven, seven day lockdown because they found one case. Listen, this, this, this disease is bad. I get it, but it is not the end of the world. I'll tell you what. Easy for me to speak up, to be honest, because I live in the middle of nowhere. And so I can walk outside, mind my own business, go to the store, and everything's normal out here. That's the benefit of living in a rural area. And so I can, I can understand why the people in Australia were like, don't bring the COVID people to this rural area. But I don't, I don't, it's not, it's not necessarily the rural area. It's the fact that they're talking about taking mining camps. Just think about that for two seconds. Take the people who are coming internationally, put them in a mining camp. Wow. Let me tell you something. Over in California, teachers union president is blasted as a hypocrite as he's filmed dropping off his two-year-old daughter at her private preschool for in-person lessons, despite leading the charge that it's unsafe to open public schools. Now, just because his daughter is going to private school doesn't mean he's wrong. But just think about the hypocrisy. The rich get richer, the elites get whatever they want, but you poor people, hmm, sorry, not you. I'm not saying this guy's super rich or anything. Union president has probably got a decent salary on top of whatever he does, you know, through the union. And he can afford to take his daughter to the privileged private school where she will get adequate education and social development. And your kids won't. That's what's happening. That's what I see with all of this. Do you really think the ultra elites who don't need passports, do you think they're quarantining? I really doubt it. I've heard stories. I know people, they fly wherever they want without passports. You get a private plane, you get the money, you can land. They don't care. They don't stop you. They say, welcome to the country. They know who you are, that you're rich, and they don't, they don't really worry about you. And I understand. I mean, it kind of makes sense. If you're a billionaire, do they really need your passport to track your movement when they know who you are and they know what you do and what you're going to do? And I mean, probably not. But if you're one of the rabble, they got to keep track of you because they don't know who you are or what you're doing. They're not worried about some ultra billionaire causing problems in their country, quite the opposite. And in fact, most people don't know this, but you can get something called economic citizenship, where you essentially just buy citizenship, put a certain amount of money in a bank account, boom, you're a citizen. Seriously, a lot of places allow this. What we're going to see from everything, what we're going to see moving forward is that children will be, will be abused. They're being abused. They've, they've been abused before covid but the regular working class people are going to be abused and the wealthy ultra elites will remain privileged. They'll tell you for global warming, you must sacrifice everything, but we will sacrifice nothing. You can't fly because, you know, it's bad for the environment, but we will absolutely take private planes. They're shutting everything down to restrict what you can do to maintain their ability to do, to do it. I think a lot of these people are genuinely scared of climate change. And so they're like, hey, if everyone else doesn't fly, I will still be allowed to. It doesn't matter if I'm flying. I'm only one person. It's the rabble, the billions. They can't fly. So where do you think that leads to? It's, it's neo-feudalism. The wealthy ultra elites, the nobles, the lords can do whatever they want. But the rabble, mm -mm, sorry, you get to go to an internment camp. You really think they're going to take any kind of billionaire or, or even millionaire and put them in one of these places? Never going to happen. I suppose we could only expect it to get worse, but perhaps we should be a little bit more optimistic because we also have data that COVID cases are dropping dramatically. So maybe it will come to an end at some point. I suppose we can only wait and see. And I suppose the big takeaway from all of this is make sure you're remaining uh, vigilant, watching what's going on, and don't let it get to the point of no return. How, 
persuasion, speaking up, challenging the systems, all that good stuff. I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend to. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. It is the live show. We'll talk about all that stuff. We'll take your comments. Thanks for hanging out, and we will see you all then. Several days ago, I made a bunch of leftists angry with an Instagram post where I said that Cartoon Network has gone full alt-right. The story's actually a bit old. You may have seen it. Cartoon Network did a PSA where a little white girl and black girl talk about their racial experiences and why it matters that you see them for their race. I made the point that they went alt-right to draw a parallel between white identitarianism and leftist identitarianism, of which there's not a particularly large difference. Now, many leftists said, oh, you think the left are the real racists? Well, first, let me say this. For those that are not familiar with the ideology of anti-racism, most people assume it just means don't be racist. That's not what it means. It literally means be racist. Even Max Kendi, who is one of the most cited individuals on the matter, says the only solution to past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only solution to present discrimination is future discrimination. He has quite literally stated there will always be racial discrimination. And he's encouraging it. Now, I'm not too interested in rehashing the Cartoon Network story. Today's segment is about anti-racist classroom in Sacramento. I want to explain to you exactly what anti-racist means. And I want to show you why I believe ultimately this is veiled white supremacy. Oh, I know you've heard the word a million times, the phrase. I'm not saying this pseudo garbage white supremacy that has a nebulous meaning. I mean, quite literally, people who think white people for some reason are superior, be it white or non-white. They, they, they believe this. It is a leftist identitarian ideology. It's particularly fascinating to see so many news stories claim that the Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio, who is not a white man, is a non-white white supremacist, as if the Clayton Bigsby sketch from Dave Chappelle is a real thing. But I will tell you, there is something that I have seen that I would, I would liken to some kind of envy. And I was told that simply by saying it, oh, they would get so triggered. But what else would you call it when you have this viral video? I think I have it pulled up where a a young black woman and a young Asian man are complaining about how they're not white enough. And she says, you're closer to white than I'll ever be, as if it's something to strive for. Yeah, most of you probably know that I grew up in a from in a mixed race family in a racially diverse neighborhood. And this never happened. We were never jealous of anybody based on what race they were. It just that wasn't a a thing in our minds. But let's talk about what's happening in your schools. And I can I can show you the anti-racist classroom from Sacramento City Unified School District to explain why they are teaching your children to be white supremacists. They claim they're trying to make your children not racist. That's not true. They're trying to trigger what is called a white racial awakening. They say it all the time. They want your kids to see color. In the PSA from Cartoon Network, the little white girl says that it matters that she's white because her experience is different. That is laying the seeds. That's planting the seeds. They say, what do you mean? You're telling white people to recognize their white privilege is going to make them racist? Yes. Let me explain. Let me show you this. And it'll blow your mind. If you are someone who's familiar with this and you're interested, you know, keep watching. And if you're someone who's never heard this before, let me break it down for you. But for everybody else and everybody in between, please share this with people to explain to them what is going on in our schools. 
Sacramento City Unified School District posted this September 29th, 2020. Anti-racist classroom. They say Sacramento City Unified School District is committed to a sustained journey of explicit and purposeful learning, reflection, and practice of eradicating systemic racism in our schools. While acknowledging there is no right path, we urge our community and educators to stay the course in having difficult conversations, even when it is uncomfortable. We have created an anti-racist classroom to support opportunities for the district community to learn, connect, and build its capacity to address racism and injustice. This includes providing an understanding. Uh, 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 this this includes providing an understanding of how racism impacts the lot, the lived experience of people of color and indigenous people, is systemic, and has been part of many foundational aspects of society throughout history and can be manifested in both individual attitudes and behaviors, as well as formal and unspoken policies and practices within the institution. They say visit the anti-racism racist classroom resource at sites.google SCUSD. Okay, I would like to show you the racial affinity group section, which should explain to you in no uncertain terms why are they why they are uh, how they are trying to teach your children to be white supremacists. And again, I'm not using the hyperbolic leftist version. I mean, quite literally. Listen, they say what and why racial affinity groups, racial affinity groups offer a structure of inquiry and can address many needs. They support us in exploring what has been forbidden, forgotten and unhealed. For example, in racial affinity groups, white people can discover together their group identity. They can cultivate racial solidarity and compassion and support each other in sitting with the discomfort, confusion, and numbness that often accompany white racial awakening. That is a verbatim quote from this page. Let me just explain it again. They say they are teaching your children this in Sacramento. White people can discover together their group identity. I ask you why. Their group identity based on race? Why not based on being an American, a great American melting pot, of all different backgrounds, cultures, and races. Why must you insist that white people find their white racial identity? They can cultivate solidarity based on race. It literally says this. They can cultivate racial solidarity, compassion, and support each other. Wow. They say this. They go on to say they can also discern white privilege and its impact without the aid of or dependence on people of color, POC. White people who have formed racial affinity groups report that they recognize their collective commonality and shared history, as well as the impact their privilege has had on other races and on each racial affinity group member. Okay, they may be saying, aha, we got you, Tim. They're talking about white privilege. Let me ask you, do you think that when a group of people based on race find their shared history, as they claim, sympathize with each other. Do you think they're going to talk about how they oppress people? Or do you think they will be aggrieved by the things that have been done to them? Do you think that these people will discover their shared history? And what is that shared history? You may be saying, oh, it's the history of colonization. Okay, read the Declaration of Independence. In the Declaration of Independence, they explicitly state that the crown was using indigenous Americans against them. That's the shared history of of, of white people, the indigenous who are attacking them. The point I'm trying to make, when you ask children who are white to recognize their race and their white racial identity and shared history, and their shared history includes an aggrieved status from other races who have attacked them, 
Do you think people will choose to sacrifice themselves on the altar? Or do you think they will eventually say, I will fight to survive? Biology tells us that animals choose survival. Sometimes they don't. Humans can be particularly different. But I would be willing to bet a large sum of money that while you may have many liberals and leftists supporting outgroup bias, meaning they're less favorable towards people of their own race, tell them to. Re- this is the craziest thing. Let me slow down. There was a study that gets shared around a lot. It talks about how out of all these different races, the only group of people that have an outgroup preference, meaning they like other people instead of their own race, are white liberals. What happens when you take these kids and tell them to share a common history and have an awakening? They're going to have an in-group preference for their own race, not an out-group preference. This is how anti-racism's actual intention, in my opinion, it's that they're actually trying to make kids racist. They want kids of all races to see everyone based on race. They want to get them while they're young. And I think it's just bad, bad news. It's remarkable how easily the left was co-opted. Of course, the conservatives will say Democrats have always been the, the, you know, I'm sorry, conservatives will say Democrats have always been the party of racism, Jim Crow, etc. Here we go again. They say this, White people who have formed racial affinity groups report they recognize their collective commonality and shared history, as well as the impact their privileges had on other races and on other each racial affinity group member. I want to stress that point again, because the alt-right uses that exact same line. You know the difference is? They argue that white privilege actually benefited everybody else. Listen, I would like to live in a world where... We don't judge people based on the color of their skin. We judge them on the content of their character. But if you are telling children to form white racial awakening groups to recognize their common history and how their privilege has has affected other races, why assume they would assume something negative? Name every single white inventor and they're going to be like, wow, look at all the great things this race has done for people. You just assume that the, the, the majority race in this country is going to walk away. I've got some stats for you to make an important point. Over on Wikipedia, race and ethnicity in the United States. Here's the breakdown in 2019. Non-Hispanic white is 60.1%. Hispanic and Latino of any race is 18.5. Black and African-American is 13.4. Asian is 5.9. Two or more races is 2.8. Native Americans and Alaska Alaska Natives, 1.3%. Native Hawaiians and other Pacific Islanders is 0.2%. Let me now explain to you the absolute insidious nature and explain to you how bad it's going to get. Now, maybe you're white and maybe you don't care. Maybe you are a disaffected liberal or centrist and maybe you are woke curious. There are many moderates who think there's a discussion to be had with the woke and the critical race theorists about actual things we can do to improve, you know, to, to, to take some of their ideas to improve the situation. I tell you this. It is dangerous flirtation with a dangerous ideology that will rewind the clock back before civil rights. And they've tried doing it in California. There was a bill that would have removed their civil rights language from the California Constitution in terms of education and public accommodation and public contracting. I'm sorry, not public accommodation, public contracting, employment and schools. It was rather scary. The argument from the left was, well, other states don't have this. So why should we? I don't think that makes sense to get rid of a law modeled after the 1964 Civil Rights Act simply because other simply because other states don't have it. 
Well, let me break down for you what I think is going to happen as these schools begin to indoctrinate these kids and tell them to form white collective racial awakening affinity groups. Non-Hispanic white is 60.1%. We can split that group up about right down the middle. Not entirely. You know, people in this country tend to lean a little bit to the left. So let's say that out of 60%, you have 28% that are conservative. And you have about, you know, 32% that are liberal and leftist. You might be saying, see, those liberal and leftists have an outgroup preference, which will greatly benefit the other races. Perhaps. But let me explain something to you. Hispanic and Latinos, 18.5%. Why the white conservative group outnumbers them. How about black and African? Well, of course, the white conservative group outnumbers them. Of course, the white conservatives outnumber every single individual racial block. Maybe as the white leftists vote alongside these other races, there will be some anti, you know, identitarian policy that doesn't favor white people. But I'll tell you this, there may be idealistic woke leftists who believe in this critical race theory and white privilege. Most people don't speak this language. Most people don't understand this. And that includes most white people who are probably just like, what? Think about what happened when Donald Trump banned critical race theory trainings and contracting with companies that have them. The media framed it as racial sensitivity training. That's not what it was. Critical race theory is not racial sensitivity training. Telling people to recognize their race and have a white racial awakening is not telling them to be sensitive at all. Now, maybe they'll tell them you're evil colonizers or something like that. But what do you think is going to happen? When an individual feels attacked based on their race, what do you think is going to happen when you tell these people these things and these white people are sitting there confused for the first time learning this? You think it's racial sensitivity training? No, it's going to be a guy saying, why are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything. I'm not racist. And then he's going to get mad. And then he's going to find other white people who have also had a white racial awakening. And then they're going to vote for policy based on what they want, benefiting them uh, in their racial affinity group. And I'll tell you, When they talk about these racial affinity groups, it's really obvious why I oppose leftist identitarianism, isn't it? I would not be allowed in any of these affinity groups. It's already happened. I've experienced this at Occupy Wall Street. They told me to go shove off. So what do I do? I will not sit back as these fake leftists try and destroy centuries of work in civil rights. They have used clever language, anti-racism. If you think anti-racism means don't be racist, you are being manipulated. It quite literally means to be racist. It means you must be racist. Ibram X. Kendi, one of the one of the uh, foremost authors writing about this, has said this. He said, the, uh, as I mentioned, the only the only solution to past discrimination is future is present discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. Make the discrimination inevitable. Here's what I see: a simple a simple bit of arithmetic. Take each and every racial group, tell them to recognize their race, then go tell them to vote. What do you think people will do? You think all these people are altruistic? You think these people, you know, any one of these individuals, I don't care what your race is. I think you're going to vote to benefit yourself. It's like, you know, are you going to if you have two parties, one guy's an environmentalist, one guy's a lumberjack and there's a politician who says, uh, you know, you have a politician A and politician B. One guy says, protect the trees. The other guy says, open up industry. You know who they're going to vote for. They're going to be like, well, this one makes sense to me. 
You can also have areas where people just don't interact with each other and don't understand. And you can have a guy say, you know, vote for me and I'll do X. There could be someone in one part of the country who has no idea what a lumberjack is thinking and just say, I'll vote for the guy who benefits me. Tell all these children to recognize their race and I'll tell you what they'll do. You'll get that politician talking about racial affinity and anti-racism and offering up programs specifically based on race and they'll vote for it and they'll vote for themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. Look, I understand that a bunch of these leftists believe they have this you know, inherent privilege, which has guaranteed them access and all of these great things. And there is there is some truth to the idea of a majoritarian privilege that if there are more people who look like you, there is an ingrained bias in humans that, you know, humans are inherently predisposed to favor those who look like themselves. And it's not necessarily a race thing. It's even like facial features. It's even shoes and clothing. It's something I could tell you about working for nonprofits. It's a fact. They say when you see a guy in a suit, don't approach him and be like, yo, what up, dude? You walk up to the guy in the suit and say, how do you do, sir? Just a moment of your time. Shake his hand because you want to mirror them because people trust those that are like themselves because it's safe. But that does include race. That's why Brett Weinstein said we have to fight to resist that, 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 you know, that instinct humans seem to have. And we need to realize that we're all people. We could come together. This is the opposite of that. But I tell you, you get these kids to vote on this stuff. And then what happens in the next several decades where we've seen many people point out, many organizations point out that white people are losing majority status? Well, what happens when they become a minority? Now they're a a minority voting for their rights and they're going to vote in a large voting block. That's where we're headed. Instead of heading into a direction where we're going to learn to live together and expand upon the ideas of civil rights, you have woke leftists many for tribal reasons who don't care, destroying everything. I think they're white supremacists. Let me throw it to this, uh, this tweet right here. You may have seen the video, went pretty viral. Let me, uh, let, let, let me play, well, I don't know if I can play the clip. YouTube will probably strike me. But this woman right here says, you don't get it. You're closer to white than I'll ever be. And to me, that's a shocking, shocking and strange thing to put into people's minds. Why is Netflix putting out a show where two different ethnic minorities are complaining about how it's they're not white enough. How, what, do they, what does that mean? How do they view what it means to be white? It sounds like envy. She says, you don't get it. You're closer to white than I'll ever be. And the guy says, together we make a whole white person. Is that how they feel? I don't know anybody who says stuff like this, but I'll tell you why it's scary. This anti-racism training, they are teaching minorities to wish to be white. They are not telling them to respect their own history and culture. Quite literally, the Sacramento Unified Classroom is telling white people to come together to discover their history and their privilege and their power. So what do you think happens when you go to all the little minorities and tell them that white people are privileged above them and always will be, and it's only through hard work? You're going to get a bunch of people saying they wish they were white. That's literally what Netflix is telling these people. You're seeing this girl complain. She just wishes it's not fair. That's creepy. That's scary. It's weird. I was never told to think that way. I was told to be proud of I was told to be proud of my family, and I was. Because my parents chose love over racism. And so I grew up thinking like it's really cool, isn't it? That I come from a mixed background. That's the future, right? We're going to come together, love one another. It's hippies under the rainbow. No. The left has become a death cult 
of of either supporting the most insane politicians for stupid reasons, simply because the orange man is bad, or you've got the critical race cult, the dogma of people telling white kids to see their own race and then telling minorities basically to to look, look at this Netflix thing. It's not even me saying this. OK, I don't even want to say this. Why did Netflix put out a video where it shows two minorities wishing, like saying that, you know, you don't get it. You're closer to the white than I'll ever be as if it's something to strive for. That to me is disgusting. And then the guy, you know, he tells her, you want to go oppression Olympics? It's cringe. This is what they're doing to our kids. And I, and I, I, I think it's it's freaky. Look at this. Boston Public School suspends advanced cl- class enrollment test, says too many students in them are white or Asian. Now, I already know there's a lot of people who claim, see, but they're anti-white or whatever. No, 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 no. It's meaningless. Meaningless. When I hear people talk about anti-white stuff, I'm like, that's meaningless. You know why? The issue is racial segregation and racial affinity groups. It doesn't matter if someone has a school or a business and they choose to, to, to exclude white people. It matters that they're choosing to segregate the races in general. And I'll tell you where this leads. When schools keep telling white or Asian people, these things, they are going to inflame segregation. And then you have white or Asian groups forming. What are they supposed to do? They can't be in the class. Well, they'll go form form their own group, won't they? And the left has been trying to get rid of these discrimination laws so that people can discriminate. And then you will see this. I said in California, I was talking to a lefty friend of mine. And when California was trying to repeal that thing in their constitution, where it would say that you could, they basically wanted to make it legal to discriminate on the basis of race. I said, what do you think's going to, like, do, do you, do you know what the percentage of people in California are that are white? I think the number is like 70%. It's, it's more white than the rest of the country. And I was like, okay. And, and so they said to me, yeah, but these cities are very diverse. You know, people there are very liberal. They wouldn't do that. And I was like, do you think there are conservative towns in California? And she said, well, yeah, of course. Do you think these conservative towns are mostly white? She goes, well, yeah, of course they are. And I was like, so when you tell them they can legally discriminate on the basis of race, do you think they will? And she said, yeah, probably. Now, I don't know that they actually will. But how insane to give that power to people. And now it's spreading. You know, U of M receives $5 million to launch new anti-racism research for Health Equity Center. You just Google search anti-racism and you can see, look at this. There's a bunch of it. YWCA will spur anti-racism, anti-racism with Ibram X. Kendi, all this stuff. Anti-racism does not mean do not be racist. I would tell you right now, don't be racist. That's bad. Judge people on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Now, I'm sorry. Anti-racism says to judge them on the color of their skin. Don Lemon went on TV and said, see color. And Cartoon Network is saying the exact same thing. It's a shame. I grew up in a world thinking that we were going to be moving towards equality, like actually respecting each other and not taking race into account. Well, I'll tell you this. I refuse to be a second class citizen, and I've already experienced it under these lunatics. If I don't agree with their dogma, they tell me I'm white. And if I do agree, they say, see, you're a good mixed race person to do as you're told. Well, I refuse. You can you can shove off. I'll have nothing to do with your death cult and your dogma. But my friends, they are teaching kids this, and I think it's already lost. It's in the schools. And there it is. Well, I don't know what I'll say. I think it's just going to get worse, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.